It's the holiday season, and I know that you are looking for the perfect gift for the perfect person in your life. Thankfully, you're listening to the right podcast. Newly added to the Restless store is the Restless Christmas Collection. Go on over to therestlesspodcast.com and you can find ornaments for your tree, ugly Christmas sweaters, and even the paper that you need to wrap them. There's so much that I simply wouldn't have time to tell you about it all. To make it even better, you can use the code MARYRESTLESS to get 10% off of one item in your cart. What are you waiting for? Go to therestlesspodcast.com and you have yourself a very merry restless and more importantly, a very merry Christmas. On the first day of Restless, we started recording. Pastor Michael, 12 <laughs> we Days of Restless, right in. Here we're we here. <laughs> I think this is how we'll start them. This will be fun. So as you know, here on the 12 Days of Restless, we do we take a break from Winsome Winter? Is that what we say we do? Or it's, do we... it's almost like the pinnacle of Winsome Winter, but we're not. It's like at the fullness of time, mm, in the midst of Winsome right. Winter, we have the 12 Days of Restless. Check out the limited edition Restless win some winter christmas merch because it's going away in 12 it, days it is going away so th- this is only available through the last day of the 12 days of restless on the last day or after the last day i should say the day after um all of our christmas merch all of it is just going to be gone you won't see it anymore you won't be able to get it anymore maybe it'll come around next year but it might not even come around next year so I'm, this I'm, is it i'm so happy that i have my limited edition restless Christmas restless sweatshirt on because Pastor Michael here we go we are doing something that perhaps uh, American Presbyterians shouldn't do but we are going to comment on the Southern Baptist Convention we do this a lot actually <laughs> that's true <laughs> we I mean we do anyway that's true. I'm sure that other Presbyterians do as well and it's because there are so many of you let's be honest you guys are influential and so we also would like to again extend an invite if someone wants to come explain to us how the Southern Baptist Convention works. We've almost had people, and then it's just never, it just never, works never out. worked out. So we want we want that interview, because today we are going to be um, listening to a clip, and actually two clips, because these two clips happen immediately after each other, and they're very important to keep together. So, Bart Barber, Pastor Michael, have you ever heard of Bart Barber Well, before? I've heard about him through you. Okay. You so have told me his name, and I, maybe I've read his name in other circles. He is the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, he won. He beat Albert Moeller um, in this last one. There yes. Was, again, That's right. if someone wants to explain to me, and Tom Askell, he's beat, you know, like, if someone wants to come explain to me the uh, the the intrigue around these things, they're welcome to. Um, he went on 60 Minutes. Again, because this is the kind of thing the president of the Southern Baptist Convention does. He takes these huge interviews, and he went on to explain uh, the interview begins with his concerns about Christian nationalistic rhetoric that's going on. Um, And now, I thought this was an appropriate way to start our 12 Days of Restless since we just interviewed Stephen Wolf. So let's um, let's hear about this potential objection from Bart Barber in 60 Minutes. We asked Barber what he thinks about the Christian nationalist rhetoric increasingly being used by some elected officials like Congresswoman Lauren Boebert of Colorado. The church is supposed... Let me go ahead and say, uh, Lauren Boebert, uh, I doubt uh, Stephen Wolf would at all say she reflects <laughs> his thinking at all. 
I don't blame anyone who's who's not. Stopped. This was this was one of our questions, then, by the way, because when you say Christian nationalist, it depends on who you are and That's what right. you're saying. Because a lot of people have that name or are given that name, including. People like this, uh, you know, caricature of, of yep, a right. politician. To direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. It stands contrary to 400 years of Baptist history and everything. <laughs> so let me, <laughs> so Bart Barber, again, he gets to, he cuts in here. And now she just said the government is not supposed to direct the church. Clearly true. She says the church is to direct the government. Again, this is a dumb way to just a dumb way to put things. Now, if you want me to say Christian moral teaching should direct the government, I, I'm not convinced uh, Stephen Wolf would call that Christian nationalism, but I'm convinced I would call that a good idea. Yeah, right. So, um, in other words, there are things that the church definitely can say to correct the government. That's right. Right. So we could say you could say that yes, there is a role for the church to teach the right. will of God as revealed in the scriptures to right. everyone, including civil leaders. But, but obviously the way 60 Minutes is cutting that is saying, you want pastors to be civil, the civil magistrates, right? Yeah. And ev goodbye, Supreme Court. That's right. Hello, a bunch of pastors that That's you've right. met. The, uh, the, whatever big, the executive committee of the SBC, right? So, so this idea stands against 400 years of Everything I believe about religious liberty, I'm opposed to the idea of Christian dominion, churchly dominion over the operations of government. Why do you object to that? Okay. Uh, Good question, Anderson Cooper. <laughs> um, okay. So, what okay. do you think, Pastor Michael? Do you think? Do you think the idea of again, he's using very loaded terms, Christian dominion over everything. Do you think that opposes Christian liberty? Oh. Or, I mean, religious liberty, sorry. Yeah, so, again, all of these terms are so loaded. This is one of the reasons there's so much debate right now. That's right. Uh, is that you get eight people in a room, and there are going to be at least eight definitions, probably, of what exactly these terms mean. That's right. So, if by dominion you mean, you know, the exercise of Christ's spiritual dominion uh, that he does have— and that means that you teach all those in government and even the government um, giving uh, people the opportunity to be taught by the church that uh, God has commanded us certain things in his word, and we're supposed to learn all those things, right? So uh, we're, we're learning everything that God has commanded, everything that Christ has commanded, um, and the church is teaching those things to the nations, um, that's great. Right. That's a good thing. Right. Um, if you mean by dominion, uh, like a Southern Baptist dictator, right. That is a state church that outlaws all other. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Um, you know, I can see why he would say, yeah, I don't like that's, that's right. very much against we, religious liberty yeah. in that way. Now, yeah. now another fuzzy area is going to be, some people are going to say that and mean, shouldn't we all just get along, right? Some kind of pluralism, like shouldn't um, the, you know, Muslims in town and the Satanists in town and the Christians in town all just figure something out together. Yeah. And we'd say, well, that 
I don't think that's possible, right? right? So we're, you know, um, yeah, privileging privileging one particular religion over another. I think that is a good thing if it's the true religion. I, yeah, I I think here's the deal. Whatever he means, he knows he's going on this and is going to get clapped. Oh, he's getting it. Yeah, <laughs> he's getting clapped. So let's hear about why he opposes it. Maybe that will help clarify. Uh, I object to it because Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. Pastor I, Michael. Jesus is kingdom. I love that you're getting like five <laughs> seconds and you just stop it right I'm just away. Saying, he, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. That is a true thing <laughs> that our Lord said. It is. About his kingdom. Yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> we have in the scripture commands uh, for the civil government. And so, you know, that's uh, I, both of those things are true. He. He said that with the with some Southern Baptist fire, and and of course Jesus's kingdom is not established the way the kingdoms of this world Absolutely are not. established. Yep, doesn't come into the world the way no it does not at all. Right, Jesus says, "My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would be fighting." But why aren't they fighting? Because Jesus is dying on the cross to forgive sins to establish His spiritual kingdom. Right. And they are fighting, but it's not fighting by earthly means. It's right. not progressing his kingdom by earthly means. It's not converting people at the tip of the sword. That's right. So, Object to it because historically, every time it's been adopted, it wound up persecuting people like me. It doesn't stop at persecuting people who are not Christians. It eventually winds up persecuting people who are Christians for whom the flavor of their Christianity is different from that of the government. So, sorry, Baptists, by the way. Just just in case you're wondering, that's like a, we're just sorry for you guys. Support <laughs> for the separation of church and state was a foundational principle for Baptists who faced religious persecution in England and America in the 1600s. Baptists split in 1845 over slavery, which is when the Southern Baptist Convention was founded. The SBC supported slavery and later segregation. We asked Barbara oh, what. Sorry, and we have one more part of this video. I believe everyone does need to see because I believe it. It shows perhaps why this line of questioning was pursued by Anderson Cooper. So again, Baptists, yes, um, uh, are opposed to establishment churches in a way that most of the magisterial reformers wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be, um, and, and and again. There are establishment churches far beyond what we would support based on what the Westminster Confession uh, teaches. But yeah, they tend to have a like a um, a very they prize a certain kind of liberty of conscience very highly um, and were instrumental in. Um, now, again, even when 60 Minutes says Baptists support separation of church and state. True. And me, too. But also, separation of church and state, as it's commonly taught and understood, is not at all... Is wildly wrong. Is wildly wrong. Wildly wrong. Because the original understanding of the separation of church and state was just that the federal government would not have an A established church. church, an established denomination. It couldn't be like, well, we are now, uh, you know, uh, a Southern Baptist nation. Right. And no other church is allowed. But at the ratification of the Constitution, there were many states... That at the time, that had established churches. And so that clearly was not to them a contradiction. Right. On abortion, the SBC's opposition has hardened over the years. Let's note, I just want everyone to note, before we so quickly uh, jump on board with, oh, all these people that want 
a Christian government. All these things are so bad. I just want to know what the the subject that came up next in the 60 Minutes interview, abortion. In 1971, they made exceptions in cases where there was, quote, the likelihood of damage to the emotional, mental, and physical health of the mother. But in 1980, they narrowed that exception only to cases where pregnancy threatened the life of the mother. Bart Barber says he stands by that today. Our interest with abortion is not, it's not to police everybody's sex life. Uh, our interest with abortion is that we believe that's a human person who deserves to live. There was just a case recently, a 10-year-old girl who was raped, barred from having an abortion in Ohio, was able to obtain one in, in Indiana. I mean, this is a, a little girl who, she has a right to life too. Sure. Even in that case, you think she should have the child? I do. She uh, should be forced to have the child? I, I think, um, I don't want that to sound like I don't have tremendous compassion for her and her circumstance. I wish we could put an end to 10-year-olds being raped. I'm, I'm trying to work against child sexual abuse because I think that's atrocious. But you don't see forcing a 10-year-old child to go to term with a, a baby that, from rape as abuse of a child? I see it as horrible. I see it as preferable to killing someone else. So, so here's the, here, of course, is the cash out. The cash out is that they are going to immediately cast opposition to abortion and all of these things as, so why are you trying to impose your Christianity uh, Right, on as an imposition, as Christian nationalism. So um, whatever you think of the idea of Christian nationalism, which, you know, Matt and I, by the way, we interviewed Stephen Wolf and kind of let him give his case. Um, we both have questions about that whole project, and, uh, you know, we're going to, at some point, we haven't yet, at some point, we're going to hash that out together and just discuss that a little bit more. But... Uh, but no matter what you think personally about that idea, there are many people um, who hate God and hate the church and hate Christianity uh, who believe that you simply saying that you should not be allowed to kill your child in the womb as Christian nationalism, as a, a complete imposition on their freedom. And so when you just talk about just wanting that you know, I don't know. I don't want Christians to force their view on anybody else. They will say, well, that means that you have to let us kill our children. That means you have to be okay with all kinds of sexual depravity. That means you have to be okay with all these other things. That's what, when, when they're talking about being free, that's what they mean, right? right? When they're talking about you not imposing your religion on them, that's what they mean. Understand the play that is going to be run with these terms. When the moment you say, I don't want this at all, right? I'm happy to say, I don't know what political view you want to call it. I'm happy to say we should, our law should reflect the Ten Commandments, the moral law of God. I'm happy to say that. And and we should be willing to accept that because, again, the play is going to be casting everything into um, yeah, into these categories, into, well, you said this, oh, so you're like Trump, oh, so you're like this. I also think one of the things, if we let it happen, one of the benefits of Stephen Wolf writing the book, whether you agree with it or not, is there is now an attempt at a very definable view that would be called Christian nationalism. And that's a good thing, because now we can say, well, 
Well, actually, all Christians basically agree that we want to prohibit things that break God's moral law. Christian nationalism is actually a very specific, right, political uh, concept and how to relate, right? And I, I hope that's helpful. But anyways, Bart Barber, we love you. We want someone to explain the Southern Baptist Convention to us. This is the 12 Days of Restless. Merry Christmas. Restless will return tomorrow with more of the 12 Days of Restless. Please remember the 12 Days of Restless are intended for reformed audiences. So listener discretion is advised.